return of the midweeks. Hello friends, it's Wednesday, it's Wisdom Wednesday, and we are in the book of Proverbs. And we are kicking it with Agur. Agur, the non-Israelite sage whose uh, life work has been boiled down and concentrated into a chapter of the book of Proverbs. And today we're looking at themes of um, honor and selfishness. I think this is a good way to put it. Themes of honor and selfishness and desire. What happens when your desires are out of whack? Now, even the last time when we were talking about this, remember, Agar was praying for neither poverty nor riches. He doesn't want to have so much so that he forgets God, and he doesn't want to have so little that he sins because of his felt lack. Instead, he wants God to lead him with enough so that he can walk with God. And so that is about desires, the desire for... um, food and desire to have your needs met. Now this next section as well is going to be about the desires and what people do to satisfy those desires in evil ways sometimes. And so we're going to read this. And one of the things about this chapter is it's very interwoven. There's lots of connections all throughout it. So it's not just like one chunk, then followed by another chunk, then followed by another chunk. There's lots of interconnections and that is really important to keep in mind while you're reading this. And so, um, I feel like I'm not going to be able to explain everything that's going on here in this shot, but as you do your own studying, you can look for themes that appear at the beginning as well as the end and are scattered throughout. But let's read this. We'll read the whole thing, and then we'll talk about it. Proverbs 30, starting in verse 10. Do not slander a servant to his master, lest he curse you and you be held guilty. There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. There are those, how lofty are their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. The leech has two daughters, give and give. These, sorry, three things are never satisfied, four never say enough. Sheol, the barren womb, the land never satisfied with water, and the fire that never says enough. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. All right. So one of the reasons I'm starting and stopping here is because we, we have in verse 10 this command not to slander a master. And then in verse 11, we have this thing about people who curse their fathers and don't bless their mothers. And then there's another saying about fathers and mothers um, and having their eyes pecked out in the valley, which isn't a beautiful picture, but we'll get to that. And so there's a bit of a inclusio, there's a bit of a bookend here of Um, things about fathers and mothers and the need to obey fathers and mothers or honor them and the kind of heart that doesn't want to. But it starts with this slandering thing. So what's going on here? So it pictures two servants or maybe a neighbor and a servant. And there's an individual that understands that a servant is vulnerable to its master's wrath. And so the idea is somebody thinks there is some kind of personal advantage to going and giving a negative report about the servant to the master to try to get the master to be mad at the servant for some kind of advantage. And it foresees this event happening and that the servant, I think it's the servant, it might be the master, but I think it's the servant, 
calling down a curse for the person who brought the slander and God holding that person guilty. This is how I understand it. Other people might see it different ways. This is how I understand it. And so what it's envisioning here is that even though there's this selfish person who has a desire for personal advantage by telling a bad tale about a servant to their master, knowing that the servant can't defend themselves against the master, the servant does have a defender. He has a defender in God. And so if the servant calls down a curse on this evil person for doing this, God will hold that person guilty. And so you can see here that um, the command is to the person who might be tempted to have this desire that they want to see satisfied in an evil way, to use slander for personal advantage, whether it's revenge or getting rich or getting rid of somebody or whatever it is. This is what's pictured here. And the, the, the wisdom is you won't get away with this. If this person figures out what's going on, and they will because they'll know it's slander, they can go to God and God will be their defender and you'll be held guilty. So we see right off the bat, this this is a saying against people who might be tempted to have their desires met in evil ways or try to satisfy their desires in evil ways. And then we have these four, there are those sayings. So this is another chunk and all these lines start with there are those. There are those who curse their fathers and don't bless their mothers, so they're unwilling to come underneath the familial honor system and the respect system there. There are those who are clean in their own eyes but are not washed of their filth, so because they are all about their own desires and what they want, they are insensitive to their own sinful hearts. They think that they are doing great. They think they have the right to do this. They have the, think they have the right to curse their father. They think they have the right to slander a servant. They don't notice, so they're morally insensitive, they're hard of heart, and this is part of why they do these things. And so I'm going to go, there are those, how lofty are their eyes, how high are their eyelids? So here is this, the heart, they don't notice that they're just proud and arrogant. In verse 14, there are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among mankind. Okay, so here's the expression. They want to get rich off of the poor. And so this theme here is similar to the servant to his master. This person, the first person thinks that they can have their way with this poor servant by slandering. And then this person is also seeing that they can turn things to their own personal advantage by devouring the poor. And what we need to know about them is that they're proud. They don't notice their own filth and they are not subject to God's rule. They're the kind of people who curse their mothers and their fathers, including, you know, this whole book of Proverbs has been about a father and a mother trying to bring the wisdom of God to people. So when people live like this, they've probably rejected the good counsel of their parents. And so this is, but this is this thing. This is the core of the person. They have these desires to be rich and they see sinning against the poor as a way to get there. And, and we need to know about their hearts, that they're dangerous their mouths are full of swords and, and their fangs are knives so they're violent people they're like ravenous wolves and their hearts are uh, arrogant and they're filthy and they don't know it so watch out for them and don't be them starting in verse 15 so we have another unit here this is a very short line the leech has two daughters give and give and so people argue about what this means some people i think said back in the old times they thought uh, you know, a leech has like a suction on one end to hold on to you and a mouth on the other end to suck your blood. And so they saw this creature as this creature that's just two mouths that both suck. And so 
people are suggesting that the daughters, the idea is they're like, their two mouths are the daughters, and they both just draw. They both suck. They don't give anything. There's, here's this creature that is able to like suck your blood and hold on to you at the same time. It's just take. That's this thing. And so the leech is this picture of des- all desire, all selfish desire in action. And, and the two daughters, the two ends, all they do is say, gimme, 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 and they don't give. Then we come to this next group of sayings. This is a three, four saying. So it's going to say three things are never satisfied, four never say enough. Now I said this before, but I'll remind you, this is a way of doing parallelism. It is four things, but you don't, you can't rhyme four with four. So they start with three and then the thought rhyme of the parallelism is to say four. And so the never satisfied and never say enough applies to all of them, I think. But this is uh, about desires again. Three things are never satisfied, four never say enough. Sheol, so this is the land of the dead, meaning that the place of the dead never gets too full. You'll never have so many people die that they say, okay, stop, too many people have died, we're all full up here. No, there's always more room for dead people. And so here is this thing that's never satisfied. The barren womb, and so this picture's a woman who wants to have children, but she can't, and so she has this unsatisfied desire to give life. The land that's never satisfied with water. So here it pictures farmland and um, it can have rain year after year after year, but it never stops being able to absorb more rain. Now, this doesn't picture flooding here, but it just says like, you know, even after a hundred years of seasons, the land will never say, okay, I've drank enough forever. Don't ever rain on me again. The land is ready to absorb more water so that it can give life so that plants can grow and you can have a harvest. And then the last one is fire so it pictures fire just devouring houses and devouring crops and devouring things and it never just until it's consumed everything it doesn't have any self-moderation it will burn itself out it will just keep burning until it's put out by either consuming everything or by um being put out by water or something like this but you can see the contrast between water and fire in the second half and you can see the contrast between the grave and the place where life begins, Sheol and the womb in the first half. And so those four things go together. You have the place of the dead, followed by the place where life is conceived, followed by land that is satisfied with water, and followed by fire, which destroys the stuff on the land. And these are contrasts. There are two things that are never satisfied that are destructive. That would be Sheol and fire. And there's two things that aren't satisfied that want to give life, and that's the barren womb and land. And so the question is, what are you like? Where are your desires? Do you want to give life? Are you aching to bring life into this world? Are you aching to be productive? Are your desires things that feed other people and give life to other people? Or are your desires things that consume? They take from other people. They're selfish. They're going to rob the community and rob the world because of where your desires are at. And so this is another saying about human hearts and desires. And then we'll wrap it all together with this like bookend saying about fathers and mothers again. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. All right, so here we finally come with, we have this, um, a double connection actually. We have the fathers and mothers that connects to verse 11, but we also have 
this threat. So verse 10, where we started, has this threat of the servant cursing and you being found guilty, and then all this, all these sayings, and then another threat that if you mock your father and scorn your mother, then you'll end up dead somewhere with the vultures eating you. Just It's a threat about the consequences in God's world of arrogance, of rejection of wisdom, of rejection of authority. And so there's consequences for these things that are God-sovereign, God-ordained, God-superintended consequences. And so for me, this wraps up this section a little bit. And the big question is, where are your desires at? Are you willing to submit to uh, authority, the authority of wisdom that I'm giving you, to see your desires moderated, to see your desires brought under wisdom, to be life-giving desires? Or are you going to live like a sword-toothed leech that wants to consume like the grave and ultimately will come under a curse or be rejected by God. So there's your wisdom for the day. I hope you're doing well and blessed and getting a suntan somewhere. See you next time.